This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app as we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dashboard as well as the upcoming week of HBCU Sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Watson and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. Is everybody, Brian, are you there? Brian, you there? Bike check one, two. Looks like Brian is uh, frozen there for a hot second. So hello and welcome yep. to another edition of the BCS in Sports Wrap. Brian Fulford, A.D. Drew, special guest Michael Washington from Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab. Dr. Cavill should be joining us. In a few moments, I see you moving there, Brian. Uh, can I get a sound check? You know, every, everything was working fine, and then you know, stuff just happened. So, gotta love, gotta love so the, the internet. The bots have been out on us today. We we only an hour and a half late getting this show on, but it is what it is. Yeah, it is what it yep. is. You know, it must be this Georgia, must be this Georgia weather, these Georgia telecommunication lines out here that I'm that I'm uh, working with. They not used to thirty degree man. weather, man. And I'm, yeah. I'm telling you, Epcot, Epcot, or whatever. And we had in Texas, that stuff's rubbing off on you guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, I, I will say this. I, I I don't know about anything else, but this was the coldest celebration bowl that I've ever been to. I thought it was colder yeah. a couple years. I didn't go, but I, I it thought was it was colder wet. a couple years ago. Now it was wet, but it wasn't. It wasn't that. It wasn't the Hulk went out like it was this weekend. Yeah, I agree. It was that the one a couple of years ago was cold and wet. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, this, hey, this it, one, just cold for no reason. Oh, there, there's a there's a reason. I saw the I saw the the weather reports where they talk about a Christmas holiday freeze mix, and they said it's gonna feel like minus six degrees. I'm like, what? I'm like, man, I came up here. Let me take my butt back to Florida. Anyway, so it's uh, you know, I brought I brought the uh, I thought I'd bring some good weather up here to uh, Atlanta, but I was wrong. 
I was wrong. But anyway, uh, Celebration Bowl 7 is in the books, fellas. And, you know, the what, what, I, what I like over the last 48 hours is taking a look at all the headlines and, you know, everyone's analysis and views. And let's start by first off saying a champion was crowned. It's not – I know sometimes the sexier story is in the losing locker room, but for, for a game like this, a champion was crowned. The number one and number two team in everybody's poll. No debates. Mike, did you see anybody that didn't have Central or Jackson State in their poll, one or two? Not now nope. one. Nope. Drew? Nobody. Drew, did you see any? I didn't yeah. So, else, wait, so this is question, Brian. Here's the better question: Who else out there was even deserving to be in one of those two slots besides those two teams? Well, I, well that's a very good point. Coach, that too is another good co-champion, point. Be at co-champion. Be at co-champion Howard. Stop it. Swack See, let's one, not, let's swack not runner up Southern. Stop it. Stop it. Stop, stop it. Stop it, Drew. Swack do East runner up Fam. You. I mean, who stop else it. Out there, man? <laughs> Well, right. And, you know, I, I think this is one of the few years, even the teams that aren't a part of the SWAC in MIAC didn't have the kind of seasons that they could even, you know, that people will sometimes throw a flag and say, oh, well, we're not a part of it. So it, no, no, no. This is the the undisputed Black College Big National South Champion. A&T. The, That's who it was. Big the, South A&T. North, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, the the undisputed yep. Black College National Champion will go down as the North Carolina Central University Eagles, hands down. The winners by by their performance uh, throughout really this game, but all season, all season they have played and lived up to. I mean, let's not forget at one point they too were unbeaten, right? They were running uh, what was it like six or seven games in a row before they ran into Campbell. Yep. Uh, yeah. So it just it just kind of worked out, Mike. What's uh, what as you as you as you think about the the big headline? What what's your big headline from from Saturday's from Saturday's game? Man, I don't know whether I want to go with another swack loss in a celebration bowl. I don't know if I want to go with that headline. I, I don't know if I want to go with another headline of is it physicality or just the way MIAC team play Celebration Bowl? I don't know if I want to go with is it finesse or wait. There's there's 40 different ways past Sunday you could go with this. I looked at previous Celebration Bowls. I looked at numbers. I looked at stats. I looked at teams that run the ball better. I mean, you could take this anywhere you go, but I want to take it on the side, if you'll allow me to. I went, I had a chance at halftime to leave the press box and go out into the stands and see part of that 49,600 and some change, folks. What I liked and what I want to take want to take away as a positive is the plethora of folks from different HBCUs present and having a good time. I mean, the ambience. I mean, it was. I mean, it's reached a plateau. I saw so many people from Hampton, from Howard, from Fan, that little school down in Tallahassee. I refuse to say the name. Uh, other schools. All right, I Joshua. Saw so many folks. <laughs> I saw so <laughs> many folks out there 
I think that's one of the ancillary sidelines that we can't that can be understated. Other than the game inside the game, X's and O's stuff. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a great point. Great point. Uh, this was my first celebration bowl, so I proudly wore my FAMU cap uh, to the game. And um, you know, just in case anybody asked me, I was gonna say, "Hey, I'm part of the 2023 scouting committee." Just in case anybody was asking, me. but <laughs> but 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 it was it was good to see. Like you said, I saw people Winston Salem State Tuskegee gear. Uh, other, other, you know, other university, A and T. I saw A and T folks congratulating, uh, congratulating Central yeah. folk. I, I'm like, what, what world am I living in? You know, but it was a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing, and I, I'm happy that this game was my first Celebration Bowl uh, uh, appearance. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Drew, what's your headline? What's your big headline? And I'm kind of like Mike. There's so many storylines that you can go with. But I think the totality of everything, this game had everything that you want in a football game. And it's you're going to be hard-pressed FBS to get a bowl game this good. Let's, let, let, let's back it up. You've got the you've got the intrigue of Coach Prime making his decision that he was leading. That so that 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 led up to those two weeks. How many players will be staying and then leaving after the uh after the celebration bowl? Then you had the perceived disrespect by uh Central from from Jackson State. You've got this underdog in this in this little conference that People say it's barely holding on because they barely got six teams. And your co-champion of that league was was under 500. Then you find out about the drama about the uh, the, the pregame warm-ups and, and the press conferences and, and all that stuff. Then yep. you've got the underdog who goes up 10-0 over the favorite. So then you got the favorite who makes a run and takes the lead by the halftime. And, and then you got the second half where I think there were only two possessions in the second half where neither team scored. Oh, did I tell you about the overtime, Brian? Did I tell no, you about the overtime? overtime? That was overtime, overtime. Brian. Wow. So <laughs> this game had, First time had ever. everything. This game had everything. That you ever wanted. Set, I believe it was seven lead changes. Yes. In that particular seven, game. By my yep. count. Yep. Yes. And then there were seven lead changes and two ties. If I have the double right, uh, I may be off on the ties, but seven lead changes. And, and, and we know at least one tie because they were tied at the end of the game. Right. right. So uh, I think that was the only yep. tie, was the one at the end of the yep. game. So this game had everything that, that you wanted. And the overtime. Came down to a came down to a fourth down play. So, uh, yeah. What, what more can what more yeah, can you ask probably. for? Yeah. What more can you ask for in a, in a football game? I guarantee you, this will be the best bowl game of the bowl season. FBS, FCS, hard match. Uh, it's gonna be hard for the uh, FCS to live up to this one. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, it'll be hard. This will be a hard act to follow. Um, you know, I, I. I 
one of the talking points that the I purposely kind of stayed away from all of the pre stuff, you know, because I had kind of soaked myself up in all of the Dion leaving to Colorado in that one week. That honestly, I was tired. I didn't want to. I didn't really want to devote any more attention to whether he should stay, should go. Why is he there? Why isn't he there? I divorced myself from all that, and I really missed out on all of the the extra that some of you were pointing out in the disrespect card. And I, I, I really just coming in, I just wanted to see the game. I just wanted to focus on the game. And so it's like, now that all that stuff is coming out and it's just like, Oh, it's, we, we got not, well, look, we can talk about the game and then we can talk about all the juicy stuff outside of the game. So uh, let, let's, let's do this. Let's, let's talk. And, and I kind of, I thought we'll, we'll go to maybe talking about, what was your moment of the game? Now, I mean, that's that's hard to sell. I get because there are so many things that I mean. Drew pointed out some. I mean, there are several others. But when you talk about a moment of the game that that you kind of that you that you kind of think back on, what's your what's your moment of the game, Mike? Uh, maybe we'll go we'll go like moment one that way just in case you take something if you got like two or three so go with like your first round Let's draft go. pick moment of the game we'll go around the horn first round draft pick your first moment of the game and then we'll come back around for a round two. Oh my god uh you asking a lot man so i think it was in the <laughs> second quarter you asking a lot man i think the first one that stands out to me is let me first say Shadur had some passes on the rope if you wanted to, if he wanted to build a film for some of the scouts in the future, NFL scouts in the future, you know, he had a lot of pressure, but he had some passes on the rope. And they got us again. Well, we'll give it, we'll give it a second because it'll jump. It, hopefully, it'll jump back in. I just saw a couple of people. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Mike. Reset, reset. You were talking about uh, Shadour throwing some ropes. Yeah, throwing some rope for a touchdown. So um, he had a pass up the middle for 24 yards to, to Stevens, and then he had um, a pass for 85 yards to Coleman, and he, uh, he caught the ball at 45 and went all the way down. So um, I thought that was a big play. It was a big momentum builder because this game had so many momentum shifts. I thought that long play by Shadour, that pass, I thought that was a big momentum swing, at least the first one. There are so many, but that was one of the first that stands out immediately right now. And, and that that was on the – that was the third play of a drive that started on their own four. I mean, they're down 10-7. to right. seven. They're, 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 you know, that was third down and – no, maybe it was first down. It was first down, actually. Um, it was first and ten. They were on the yeah. First, the, actually, it was on yeah. On the, yeah, yeah. They because they because they, they, they did ninety six because it was a uh, it was a ninety six play drive. They had got uh, you know they started on the four. Let's see, plus eleven. That would have put it at about the fifteen yard line. Yep. And so first and ten on the yep. fifteen, and it really kind of caught it caught me by surprise. I didn't even think I was looking for it. Then all of a sudden I looked up and said, Oh, wait a minute. My God, there's nobody out there. He's gone. Uh, 
that gave Jackson State their first lead, and it was almost yep. like you, I, I kind, you kind of got nervous for a second, or at least that was the that was the moment when I felt like Jackson State woke up. Like the crowd woke up, everybody was like, "Whoa, okay, we go, here we go, we're ready, let's go!" Uh, amazing throw, and, catch, and then the momentum pendulum went like this. <laughs> I mean, back to Jackson State side with that play right there. So that one, that was one play that stuck out, stood out to me. All right, that, that's your that's your first round, first round pick, Drew. What's your first round pick? I've got a player. And I don't know which one I really want to make by first round. So can I just call the player out and talk about two specific plays this player made? Would that be two, within the uh, room? Yeah, yeah, okay. One player, two okay. plays. There you go. All right. Latrell La- Collier. First, oh, I boom. I think I know where you're going. The stiff yeah. arm. The stiff yeah. arm. The Derrick Henry stiff arm. That was... One of the plays of the game for me at, at, at a crucial time, I believe. I believe was that was that in overtime? If I got the, if I got that correct, and they wound up down. I think he wound up getting down to about the four yard line uh, with that stiff arm, and he he probably picked up another five to seven yards after he made the contact. Yes, between yeah. that one and the other, Latrell call your run. Where he carried looked like all eleven tigers yep. for about twenty yards. Uh <laughs> when they were trying and they just could not get him down. I believe that was in the third quarter when that when that play occurred. So those two plays by Latrell Collier were my number one highlight. And it's really hard to distinguish one from the other because you had a one-on-one play with the stiff arm. But damn, he took he, he I know he had at least nine tigers uh trying to pull him down at, at that point in time. And the other two and the other two were like, nah, I don't even want none of that action, my brother. Cause I cause I remember it, it was the two safety, it was Shadur and the other safety were there in the play. They made the first contact and they was like, Man, get off me, look, bro. Anyway, those are my those are mine. <laughs> and what what was it? What, what, when was it? Wasn't there? We heard a little backstory post game about that that Collier was looking for number seven of Jackson State. I'm not gonna put the man's name out there. His number his number is gonna live in infamy as it is. So I'm not gonna put the young man's name out there. Um, but he was looking for number seven because I guess there were some words that he felt like seven was one of the most talkative guys, and he was looking for seven. And when he saw him, he mushed him not only once, but I think he then he mushed him again in overtime. And I mean, yeah, that that stiff arm, that's one of those moments in the game that I think you'll go back and remember. You know, um, that's a that's a great uh, great first uh, first first pick. You can't put out the hardest hits videos like we grew up watching in the uh, in the eighties when the NFL yeah. used to put out those hardest hits videos. But you could doggo show put that one out because that that was on that level. Yeah, that was the, that was that stiff arm. Man, that's that's that old school stiff arm. Mm. Yeah. So, um, and, 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 and so, can, I, so, can I say one thing? Can I can I say one thing about yeah, that? Sure, it's sure. ironic yeah, yeah. that. A Jackson plate, uh, play Jackson State player was stiff arm like that when probably the greatest stiff arm player 
in history played for Jackson State via Walter Payton. Yeah. Oh, look at you. Look that's, at you that's, tying that's, it together. That's, that's, that's a good point. That's, that's a good point. Look at you, Drew. I, 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 never, I never thought about that. You, you didn't have some days to think I, I, about. Oh, that it, just, it, it just hit me 15 seconds ago. <laughs> <laughs> I had to get, <laughs> I had to get it out before I forgot about it. <laughs> Uh, for me, I will go with uh, Shadur fourth and I, I, what was it? Maybe 19 with uh, final play oh. of regulation. Uh, yep. Final play of regulation because I I don't I don't I mean we we've great quarterbacks make great plays and I hope Shadur has more moments at Colorado uh, or, or, you know, and, and in his future. And we'll go back and look at what he did at that moment. And you'll go back and say, wow, you know, he's been a big time playmaker for a long time. And then they show that clip because I, just the, the being able to make that throw, uh, give credit to Travis Hunter uh, for making the catch. Um but just the the nails to to be able to 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 convert the game, well at least to get yourself within one. I mean the PAT needed to tie the game, um, and and you know who knows that that actually might be the the pseudo play that everyone needs to be thinking about about the guy the the the, the kicker to be able to kick that extra point because we saw an extra point get missed. I mean as short as they are, an extra point was missed, and. Had it, it's funny because had it not been missed, you know, Jackson State would have had to go for two at the end of the game, which would have just added more drama. But anyway, um, yep, the, the, no, that, but no, actually, Brian, no, they would have only had to go for one because you got to think about it. No, the only one. reason uh, Central went for two was because they missed the uh, missed that okay. point yes, earlier right. in the game. So they may have only needed right. that PAT. That's point. Yeah, they may have only needed that PAT to uh, win the game. Right, right, right. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I, I just I just thought great catch. I mean, you you can. I, I'm wondering, you know, if you're the DB for Central, if you're thinking, man, I should have just held and just fouled the heck out of uh, Travis. <laughs> I'm, I'm holding on. I'm saying, there's no way. Worst case, it's 15 yards, and they get the ball at the four-yard line. There's no way I'm letting him uh, 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 Actually, it would have been at the 10 because it's half the distance and an untimed down. No, it was at the I thought it was 19. Yeah. The ball was right, at the Right, but it's half, di- half the distance. It's not It's not 15 yards because yes. it's inside. Half the distance to the goal. It would have been half the distance at that point. Well, yeah. that that's even better. That's even better, right, because of yeah. – that would have, that would have even been further away from the goal line. Um, yeah, so either way, nine and a half. Exactly. Yeah. Either way, you, you someone has got it, and they were coming out of the timeout. And I just wonder, would was a coach in that one of the DB coaches like, hey, if he gets away from you, grab his arms. Don't let anybody get their arms up. You know, I'm just wondering if that <clears throat> if that was something that was talked about. Okay, so. Good run on the first round. Uh, I I know coming up, I know we're, we're talking and trying to work in B.J. Jones as well as Dr. Cavill. Let's go around second round because there are plenty of moments. Round two. Round two, Mike. If, if one of these two moments that myself or Drew 
didn't have that was one of yours. What's another memorable moment that stood out from that game? Uh, so what I will I will go. There's so many. Oh, we got BJ joining us. Okay. We let him get in round two. Okay. Yeah, you gonna let him Good get deal. in, or you want me to go ahead? Well, yeah. Well, okay. Yeah, let, let's get let's get BJ in there. BJ, so um, we we were just kind of going around the horn here, uh, talking about our memorable moment uh, and kind of doing it in a draft style. You know, one the one to three, or now we got four. So you get you get to be the end of round one here for a memorable moment. Uh, Mike, just quickly recap what yours was. Oh, mine was the uh, 85-yarder. Uh, I believe it was on the 15. It was uh, first and 10 on the JSU 15. Shadour passed long uh, to uh, Coleman, and the rest was Kevin history. Coleman. The band was playing right. after that. Yeah, all well, the band woke up. Drew, what was your – and your number one was? Uh, Latrell Collier, and I had to split hairs with this one. Uh, one was the stiff arm that the trail call you had in overtime, and the other was the one where he carried about uh, nine or ten Jackson State Tigers for about 20 yards uh, there in the third quarter. So I kind of had to split hairs. I couldn't really pick one or the, or the other. <laughs> and and mine, BJ, was the final play of regulation uh, Shador to Travis Hunter that uh, put Jackson State within one, obviously needing the PAT to tie the game and send the overtime. Um so if we go to you and say, of all the memorable moments, what memorable moment stood out for you uh, as you think back on the Celebration Bowl? There was a play in the second quarter because Central was coming back towards the North Carolina Central end zone where uh, Davis Richard threw a pass on the money, the 22, hit him square in the hands, and he drops it. If he catches that pass, Central goes up 17 to 7. And I think they completely blow the game open. I think it looks completely different at some point. Interesting. Interesting point. Um, I'll I'll start since you're, since you're coming in. We'll kind of go in snake order here, and I'll kind of give you the opportunity to go start off round two with uh, still memorable. Lots of stuff still out there on the board. Uh, and I'll give you a second a second memorable moment to add. Oh, man. Um, I'm going to have to go with the reverse pass uh, for the two-point conversion. Um, that that one was – yeah, man, that one was nice. Um, so that's, that's that's my number two. <laughs> I had, see, I had forgotten all about that. I'm glad you brought that up. I had completely forgotten all about that play. Uh, that was in, what, the fourth quarter, I believe? Yeah. Yep, it was the fourth quarter. My gosh. Um, all right, Mike, let's come back to you here. We'll go to you, Mike. Uh next uh next pick. Yeah, uh the the <laughs> he took mine with a Philly special, but um there was another there was another play, I think it was third and eighteen. I don't know if anybody said this. It was on third quarter. And Shadour had a pass up the middle for 18 yards to Hunter. It may you may think, okay, third 18, pass 18, that should be a piece of cake. But from where I was sitting, 
he threw that ball on a rope. And I just think you you felt you started to see Shador at least try to gain a lot more confidence. But that was a pass where he was really building his his confidence despite all the pressure that he was getting from that that central defense. He threw that thing on a rope beeline to uh, Hunter. Give Hunter credit for catching it, but 18 yards. I think he had to dodge a few uh, defenders, but he threw that 18 yard uh, thing on a rope. That's a good one. Good one. Um, Drew, what about you? Round two. And I'm trying to find the specific play that I am talking about. I, it, there was a fourth down play. Yeah, I believe it, it was fourth and seven. That same drive that you're talking about where uh, with Jackson State put themselves in a position to tie the ball game. There was a fourth down earlier in that drive, and I'm looking at it. It was fourth and seven from the Central 41, and Shadur initially didn't have anyone open, and he scrambled around back there, Patrick Mahomes style, until he was able to find an open receiver, that being J.D. Martin for a 10-yard completion to extend the drive because without that, Brian – there is no Travis Hunter catch with no time on the clock. That was probably more important than the touchdown uh, catch. See, this is this is the beauty when we when we go back and talk about the instant classic that is this game. I, I we haven't even touched on probably two of the biggest plays that uh, that are probably out there still on the board, and that just goes to show that there are so many things that happened in this ball game stuff that you guys just brought up that now i i want to go back i may have to wake up while i'm eating my bowl of cereal in the morning and go back and watch the game just so i can go back and listen to uh to some of this stuff and, and relive the stuff that i that i've forgotten or just that doesn't stick out so when i talk about the two plays left on the board i i'm gonna go with the the fake punt uh, Central's Kyle Morgan with the 43-yard fake punt. Now, this was on their opening possession of the third quarter. You know, so obviously Jackson State is up 21-17. Jackson State has the ball to start the half. Uh, they end up going three and out, I believe. So Central has the ball. And, you know, we talk about, you know, Central actually nearly playing a, a, a perfect uh, second half, they scored every time they had the ball. Every time they possessed the ball, they scored. And I thought Kyle Morgan, um, from you know the uh, from the it was a forty three yard run from their own territory all the way to the Jackson State twenty three yard line. Uh, North Carolina Central ended up scoring, retaking the lead in the third quarter, and then it was like okay. We're good. I, I just thought the timing, the timing of that was huge. Um, you guys, I'm trying to recall. Have we have we seen other fake punts in the Celebration Bowl, or was that the biggest fake punt thus far? I would say it'd be the biggest. Had a clean one. Oh, ANC had a clean one against Grambling. Oh, yes, sir, clean. Yes. Okay. 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 So there have there have been there have some other impactful ones, um, but yeah, for, as it relates to 
to this game, I, I just thought in terms of keeping that momentum, and it, it just goes to show how well coached uh, Central was. Um, usually when those kind of plays happen, you know, the special team coach or Coach Oliver or somebody has already told the punter or, and the punt team because it takes a whole team. He, he tell They probably tell them, hey, we're looking for a certain look. And if you see that look, you're free to go with it. And whatever the look was, they must have saw it because I I thought my man was going to run all the way to the end zone. As, as, as far as he ran, 43 yards, I mean, that's like almost half a field, folks. So – he had plenty of room, plenty of daylight. Uh, great play. Great play. Um, so let's let, let me add this. So I'll just I'll just put this out in general. The one play we haven't talked about was the drop. Uh, the uh, the Jackie, the uh, who was it? The Jackie, Jackie Slater? The Jackie, Jackie Smith Jackie, Jackie Smith Jackie with the Smith. Cowboys. That, that's for us old heads. Now, see, some of you, a lot of young folks are like, who? Yeah, I, I, I'll never forget my my dad telling me stories about Jackie Smith and why the Cowboys didn't have more Super Bowls in the 70s than the Steelers. And he always pointed it to that game right there. Um, but, yeah, the Jackie Smith moment happened in the Celebration Bowl. Uh, you know, young man from uh, Jackson State, uh, the tight end. Uh, you guys know his name. It's out there. You know, I'll just say his number, 84. Uh, dropped, the, yep. dropped the ball and just hit him dead in the hands. Um, your, what are your guys' thoughts on just that play, that moment, and even some of the uh, post-game reaction to that moment? Well, I started off. I started off. You know, we always make this joke about the, the worst place to hit a receiver where the ball is in the hands, and we, we always joke about that. Now – for for the, for that player, you throw that ball to him a hundred times, he's going to catch ninety nine of them. Unfortunately for him, he 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 did not catch it in a crucial moment. If that's the first quarter, no one even look, no one even looks at that particular play. If if they're playing Mississippi Valley, no one cares about that play. It just happened to be on national TV in front of almost 50,000 people when this particular play happened. And anybody who has played or coached ball has, has had that situation happen. Hell, I, I remember, I know as a coach, uh, recently as a couple of years ago, I knew I was out of timeouts with 16 seconds left for the ball game. But did, but did I walk over to the referee, yell a timeout, try to, try to save a possession? Yes, I did. Cost me two, cost me two shots and possession. And when I got over to the huddle, after after I, I looked at my kids' eyes, I'm like, I don't want y'all many games. Y'all gonna have to wear this one for me because I just effed up. Y'all gonna have to get me up out of this one. And that's what you saw a lot of his teammates doing, trying to get him up out of it, because that could have happened to any of us at, 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 at any point in time if you've ever played competitive sports. Uh, for, for all the BS and garbage that I've been seeing, the negative BS and garbage that I've been seeing on social media about about uh, about this young man, uh, it's not good. And and we saw one meme 
it, it was it was funny as hell. We was all at dinner when we saw that one man. It it, it was funny, but it was not appropriate. It was funny, and, and, and I'm gonna pass it all. I'm gonna pass it on in just a second because I know you guys have strong, similar strong feelings as I do. But we, I hope our fandom has it turned into pseudo racism because some of the stuff I'm seeing is about the white kid playing at the HBCU not doing it because uh, we we not only are we our own worst critics but we the last people who need to be criticizing people of another race and I think that's what disappointed me more than anything yeah we can have a little fun about him dropping the ball and everything that's what we're supposed to do with fan but that's not get ignorant with it and that's damn sure not get uh racist with it it's a great point great point drew uh let's see bj go ahead uh jump in there your thoughts and then we're gonna mike man my heart goes out to that young man um i've been trying to reach out to him via social media um i've never been in this uh situation like that personally but i had a roommate that that had that made it that fumbled the ball um they gave uh, Jackson State an opportunity to score when we were at Southern. Uh, they gave Jackson State an opportunity to score to push that game to overtime, and we eventually lost in double overtime. And so I know what that feels like, you know, to have one of your friends to go through that. Um, it's 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 tough, and I, and I think that a lot of people on online um, make it athletes make this thing look easy, but it's not an it's not an easy thing, and at the end of the day, I know that we have ABC and there's 50,000 people in the dome, but that's a child. You know what I mean? That's a child. That's a, a 18 to 22-year-old kid, just like your 18 to 22-year-old nephew. Um, and he has 18 to 22-year-old stuff going on. And, you know, his mom jumped online and, and kind of talked about the struggles that the family has had and just different things going on. And, you know, at, at at some point, man, it, it, it's a ball game. It's not life or death. It, it, it's it's not. It, it's the ball game, and I think that people really need to check themselves at the door. And one thing is, I always say, Brian, is that we like to think that we're different than our Confederate conference counter counterparts. And I always tell people, no, we're not. We're the exact same. The same thing that we accuse them of doing, we we do. We just find ways to excuse it. So, man, if you're out there and you're going after a kid because of what happens during the fall game, shame on you. Shame on you. Man, that, that, that's sad. I, did, I, I, I wish I could say I'm surprised. I did not know there were death threats. Uh, I'm not surprised. Um, sadly, I'm not surprised. But uh, that, that is definitely sad to hear. Mike, uh, your thoughts, and then we'll go to a break after, uh, after your thoughts. Yeah, just kind of, you know, reiterating, you know, mental mental health is real. And you don't know what anybody's child is going through. You know, for those that played sports, that you know, sometimes these plays happen 100 miles per hour. And yeah, he may have dropped the pass, but no one is hurt more than that young man. And he's 19, 19 20, 21 year old kid. You don't know that his brother committed suicide. Basically, uh, had had suffered from depression. You know that his his uncle, some uh, in his mom's family, that depression run rampant. He had two members of his family commit suicide. 
So now this young man is on watch. And now we follow it up with death threats and, and all kinds of nonsense. That's not a good look at all. And I think we're better than that. This is, this is a game at the end of the day. We're passionate about it. But at the end of the day, this is a game. And this is, some, this is somebody's child, somebody's nephew, whatever, that now you're playing with life. And uh, it's big. It's, this is so much bigger than the game. So, wow. Um, it, it makes you again think about all the things that we talk about and espouse about why HBCUs. And this is our this is our our opportunity as a fan base, as a culture, to 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 keep this family, this young man, in in our prayers. Uh, to wrap Jackson State community, uh, wrap your arms around this kid um, because this is what we talk about. Hey, this is why we tell people to choose an HBCU, right? We, we, for moments yep. like this. So regardless of that young man's ethnicity, hey, he represents Jackson State. He represents HBCUs. Uh, it's a game. End of the day, it's a game. You know, shame on you if you're betting money on Jackson State. We tried to tell you anyway. But, you know, that that's that's regardless, wrap your arms around this young man. And uh, and the only reason I, I know Chuck Hunt, you, I, you know, appreciate you. I didn't I didn't say his name because you know his name. It's out there. I wasn't going to put it out there. We know the number. And, and unfortunately, no. that let it be that. And if you want to go look up, if you want to support this family, this young man, uh, there's ways I'm sure that will be coming out to, to allow people to do that. Let's take a break, come back, and let's break down and talk about the probably the most epic quarterback battle we have seen in a championship game since dot 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 we'll find out on the other side of this break you're watching the bcsn sports wrap and dr cavill's inside the hbc sports lab review of the 2022 celebration bowl when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over 600 dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply it's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. Welcome back to the uh, BCSN's mix of the Sports Wrap and Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab. Brian Fulford, A.D. Drew, Mike Washington, B.J. Jones will be back here in a second. Don't forget uh, Dr. Cavill and the professors will, will be back uh, tomorrow, Tuesday evening, 7 Central, 
6 Eastern. Um, and then, um, you know, so I'm sure there'll be way more uh, conversation in depth uh, that'll be discussed on that time. Um, hopefully, you know, like I said, I'd be, uh, you know, we all we all are uh, good good friends and associates with CB, and so I, I know we, uh, we we'll be looking to hear his comments and and the other background stuff. Uh, I, I know if I know he's probably very proud of his program winning a swag championship, but uh, it's got to be got to be a tough one. Have you have you talked to CB lately, Mike? How, what are his thoughts? How, how's he feeling? How's he doing over the last forty eight hours? Yeah, I think I think he's still processing it. Um, you know, with with family and friends. You know, it, you know it's been a journey. It's, it's about the journey. You know, they do have results, and unfortunately, you know, change is coming. But I think he's still processing it a little bit. Um, uh, I think he'll be back. I think he has nothing but accolades for what this coaching staff, or the, the previous one in place for the last, you know, couple of years. He's followed it closer than anybody. I know he and uh, Neely with the I love. So he, I mean, he's had a chance to see it inside out and, you know, from the stuff that he's conveyed about the job that this coaching staff has done and turned this program 180. Um, he has nothing but thoughts. Um, it, you know, it ended the game ended up at, you know, as it was, but nothing but thoughts processing, wish for a more happy ending as we, as some of us all did, if you were wishing for a swag team to finally win this dang thing, but uh, he he's still he's doing well, still processing it. Has lots of, of facts and stuff, some insight that I'd like him to share with everybody as well. Right, right. So that's uh, tomorrow night, uh, seven Eastern, six Central. Um, of course, North Carolina Central winning the title is the sixth Miac school in the past seven years of the Celebration Bowl. Uh, the trophy has not come out of the Carolinas uh, except for a brief moment in time. Uh, it's been North Carolina, South Carolina. I mean, it just can't come out of the Carolinas at all. Uh, they, they've got a stranglehold on it. Uh, but I, I thought we quickly, Mike, before, and I know you got some obligations. We, we saw an epic quarterback matchup. Davius Richard. Uh, Shador Sanders, obviously they lived up to the hype as the offensive players of the year in their conference. Uh, Mike, you've been watching SWAT football. You've been watching Celebration. You've been watching HBCU football for years. Uh, where does this matchup between Richard and Sanders, where does this equate in, in terms of quarterback matchups in a big game, as big as this was, where does this compare into some other games Man. that you've seen? Man, um, you know, you know, I went as you know, I went to, to PV and we had a chance to see McNair play. Um, and in terms of his his scrambling ability, his body frame. His ability to absorb hits, find and still find the open man. There was be some games he'd lead in rushing, some he'd you know be spread the ball out. Uh, I'm trying to think of a good quarterback that was equivalent at the time to Shador because it was kind of like his style against you know kind of a, a lesser version of of Steve McNair's. But if I look at him, you know, prototype body wise. You know, he's a, he's a prototypical quarterback who can run and pass both effectively. 
and Shador is the you know typical pocket passer uh, who is very good at avoiding the rush. Um, he had a rush in his face all night, but uh, those two compared to each other. And you just saw Davis Richard over the course of they could not they would answer for him. He could have ran the ball literally first, second, third down, and there was no answer for stopping him. They had a spy, and and I guess you know to me Jackson State had problem with one on one tackles with, with Davis Richard especially. Even though they had a spy, there's a couple of missed tackles. He prototypical quarterback, running back style, but he still had the arm when it counted. I can, you know, with his style, I can go back to maybe a, a McNair. Mm. Wow, that that's 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 heavy. That's heavy right there. Uh BJ, I, I love always hearing your breakdowns uh, you know, from the X's and O's as a former defensive standout, uh, as Southern, uh, obviously as a coach. Uh how 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 do you when you look at this, um, you know, this matchup between Richard and Sanders, I mean, talk a little bit about it. What what did we see? What do we need to really come away appreciating? so that we can go back and watch this thing two to three more times over the holiday break. I mean, hey, look, this is one of those games. Tell me if I'm wrong, guys. Don't you want to, like, gather up the family on one of these holiday weekends and be like, hey, y'all need to come watch this. Come watch this Celebration Bowl, these two HBCU schools, and watch how great this game is. And hopefully some of this stuff we're giving you, you can share with family, and so that way you look like the smartest guy in the room when you're breaking down things. But, but uh, BJ, talk a little bit about what we saw on Saturday. Oh, man, you saw two quarterbacks that were as good as advertised. Um, Josh has been talking about Davis Richard all year. Um, I knew the type of athlete that he was, the type of quarterback that he was. And Shadur Sanders probably, was, probably played his best game, if we're being honest with you. But there was a key, and I talked to uh, some guys from Central. I got a chance to talk to some people on that staff on Friday. They saw some things in that second half. Well, not really the second half. From the second quarter on against Southern, they really had them licking their chops. And the one thing about uh, Jackson State, when you play the type of defense they play, they're going to blitz a lot. You're going to see that trail technique with the defensive backs. If you have a quarterback that can make throws, it makes that defense look completely different. And one thing that Jackson State hadn't had to play, I mean, Jackson State hadn't played all, all year until that second half, I mean, that, uh, until Southern made a Q, QB change, was a quarterback that had the ability to run, but also had the ability to fit the ball into, into tight spaces and make those throws. Davis Richard had the ability to do both, and they knew that coming in. They knew that, that he was going to be uh, trouble because of his ability to be able to do so. Uh, so he, he caused some headaches uh, for that defense that we're not accustomed to seeing Jackson State have. But this quarterback battle, we're going to be talking about this one like we talked about McNair against, uh, um, ah, man, Kendrick North um, of Grambling State University. We're going to talk about this like Darnell Kennedy and Robert Kent. Uh, we're going to talk about this uh, like we're going to talk about uh, some of those uh, legendary quarterback battles that we've seen in black college football. Yeah, I couldn't think of the name. Uh, I couldn't think of the name. I appreciate it. I know that McNair had some battles. I had a chance to see him when I played my my last semester at PV. I couldn't remember the names uh, of the battles yeah. that McNair had against the prototypical quarterback. So, 
is that and and Drew? Let me let me come to you. Let me before I come to you. Is that is that you know? I, I hear we kind of we kind of look at uh, Richard as sort of that uh, uh, because of his frame and and what they do at Central. Do we look at him as sort of that uh, read option bigger running? I mean, he ran for ninety eight yards in this game. Threw for one seventy. Shadur on the other side throws for what was it? Three forty nine. Three forty nine. Yeah, four touchdowns. So he kind of fits up. You know, uh, it, it. Do we look at Do we look at them in that little prism, or are they are these two guys who really are bigger than that prism of passing pocket quarterback, athlete quarterback? Are they bigger than that? Will they, can they be bigger than that? Because they both have eligibility left, obviously. Drew or Mike? Oh yes. Oh, I didn't know well, who I, he was I, asking. I just it out there. Yeah, I, I got. Oh, I got, thought I, you, I, I I thought you were talking to Drew. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. I started uh, rambling. I'm sorry. Go ahead. If you want to, go ahead, Mike. Add in there, go ahead, Mike. Mike. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I, I, I think you have to look at, look at, especially at Davis Richard compared to uh, McNair in that prism. Whereas have you seen that kind of quarterback, prototypical, can hit the tight passes, run, take hits, make people miss, read the defense. He can also, when the game's on the line, be your star running back. And then he's played against some quality, prototypical type running uh, quarterbacks. You heard, I think, Hagler. You, I think you Randall with uh, Southern. And you've seen him come out on top. I think if you look at him in that space, the one difference I've seen is more read option pass. Reading the defense, then passing, whereas McNair was kind of more of an initial decision. I'm going to pass. I'm going to run. Still, same talent, same uh, bases, uh, same dominance over defense. And the one point that uh, B.J. Jones put out, we, we discussed it earlier this season. We talked about the SWAC all year how dominant they were. The closest they seen that type of quarterback was twice or would have seen once the second half of the Southern game. And then maybe the next closest person would have been Trazon Conley for PV, but a poor man's version of that. They hadn't seen that Davis Richard prototypical six three six four frame can run can run option pass and hit the hit, hit folks in tight spaces. So that we talked about that at the very beginning of the year that that was the one chink kink in the armor. They hadn't seen that type of quarterback, not in the swag. Great point. I, I, I Go got ahead. one. I got one for you, fellas. Could we say Davis Richard is Lamar Jackson with a little more touch? And a more frame, and a, a little and more. more, more Jackson got a little he bit. Of, running up the middle. Jackson's got a pretty good has a pretty good frame. You know, but from back when he was at Louisville, he he was doing stuff that we see Davis uh, Richard doing now at at Central. You know, we looking at Lamar as the Baltimore Ravens quarterback. Let's think back to Lamar when he was the Louisville quarterback, and that's what he kind of Davis Richard. Go ahead. Uh, Davis, Davis Richards ain't, ain't got them kind of jits. But 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 yeah. But, but the power and the ability the ability to run and pass the ball. But I think he uh, has a little bit more touch than Lamar Jackson did 
when he was at mm-hmm. uh that's that's he has, that's just he has my, more church he has more touch and more girth. He's running up the middle. Yes. Lamar was hitting the yeah. corners. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But like I said, that's just what it reminds me of. But when we talk about this quarterback uh, battle, and everybody in the press box knew whichever team won the ball game, their quarterback was going to be the MVP. That's what mm-hmm. you call a quarterback battle. It's going to be whoever whoever can get the W, you know they're going to be the MVP. But I, I want to step away from the quarterback uh, for a second. There were a couple other people worried out for these quarterbacks would have been in the MVP conversation. Kevin Coleman Jr., seven catches, yep. 137 yards, oh, yeah. and a touchdown. Uh, yep. and, and then uh, and then the big uh, kickoff return that he had that set up uh, Jackson State. I'm trying to find out uh, what was the distance on that uh, on that kickoff return. Uh, th- that was a 38 yard kickoff return that he had uh, right there. Coleman, another, another yeah, another player. I mean, Latrell Collier, 17, 17 carries, yeah. 98 yards, and a touchdown. And why you playing? Travis Hunter. Oh yeah. Yes. Yep. You touchdown. Yep. You got to. Th- you always have to throw that in conversation with half your catches for touchdowns. You've got to throw that into the MVP yep. conversation. So there were a lot of other players out here who did some stuff, and just the the, uh, the workhorse Savion Wilkinson, even though he did not have the numbers, Savion Wilkinson was a workhorse for Jackson State when they when they uh, decided to run the ball. I mean, they ran the ball. 25 times. Nine of them were by Shadur, which probably half of those were quarterback scrambles. I don't think there was a design run by Shadur all day. And But Savion Wilkes had 15 of the 25 rushing attempts for Jackson State. So there are a lot of other casts of characters out, out here. Uh, one other thing, uh, fellas, I saw somebody put in here about the, uh, the ratings, and I'm really going to look at uh, – be happy to see what the ratings were for this particular game. I can almost guarantee you the ratings for the three o'clock to four o'clock hour should be astronomical. When you the whole game is gonna be good, but I think that three o'clock to four o'clock hour, because people were probably finding out about this ball game, they tune it in, they see the competitive ball game, they see all the uh, lead changes and everything else, and then the overtime, that's 3 o'clock to 4 o'clock is going to be off off the uh, off the roof, off the charts, man. Yep. Hey, uh, Mike, I know I, you got I, I know you got a hard out, so I don't want to, I don't want to, we don't want to keep you too long here, so uh, uh, don't forget, Mike will be on, to, you, you'll, be, you'll be on tomorrow night with, uh, with Doc and everybody tomorrow night, Mike. Yes, sir. All right, so that's tomorrow night. Uh, Dr. Gaville is inside the HBCU Sports Lab. You'll see Mike there, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 Central. Make sure to uh, join in. Mike, thanks for your time, man, and we'll uh, we'll be tuned in with you tomorrow. Um, appreciate yeah. you. Thanks for, letting me, thanks for letting me join the show with the two Rattlers and the Jaguar. I appreciate it. Uh-uh. <laughs> We we know it's all love. We coming we coming for you. We coming for you, Mike. You got what's all. We coming for you. Hey, hey, we see you for home. We see you for homecoming, my brother. Hey, just lower the hey. hotel prices for homecoming. That's all I ask. 
Not a chance. Not a chance. Not a chance. Not a chance. Uh, well, appreciate you, Mike. Hey, while we got, uh, while we're still here, BJ, uh, Drew, I went ahead and looked up while you were talking uh, there for a second. The uh, Lamar Jackson at Louisville was 6'3 to 11. Davius, Davius Richard, 6'3 to 15. But like, like BJ said, I don't ever recall having written out, you know, like I said, I, I, you know, I haven't seen Richard all year, but I don't think he had the Jets that uh, uh, Jackson had. And one thing that I love, which goes to speak to why they recruit heavy in Florida, uh, Lamar Jackson from Pompano Beach, Florida, Davius Richard from Florida. Glade Central. I get. We'll be talking about that on Wednesday's show, trying to figure out how the hell did we let uh, Davis Richard get out of Florida. We'll be talking about that on Wednesday's ONG Strike Zone, but that that's another another time and place. Uh, we'll we'll, we'll kind of look at our recruiting as the recruiting season is happening right now. Uh, Drew, you were talking about Coleman's all-purpose yards. I just happened to flip over to the stats. 269 all-purpose yards, 132 on kickoff returns, 137 receiving, and a touchdown. So, yeah, um, imagine if he catches that – That I, I think the ball was intended for him on the last play of overtime, but imagine if he catches he that. Target. Okay, so, yeah, so if he catches that and somehow they go for two and win, hey, who knows, you could have had – Coleman could have easily – you know, been in the running for that uh, for that MVP MVP spot. Um, let's shift over quickly to running the ball. The importance of running the ball, and I know Drew, you said you had some defensive stats. I don't know if it was related to running or not, but no, no. I thought that was I thought it was real interesting how Jackson's. I really thought Jackson State running game would be more than what it was. And I don't know, BJ, uh, what when you guys were, or when you were thinking about and analyzing this game, did you foresee such a lopsided, uh, let me pull up the stats. I think the stats were 276 to 78. 68. The disparity between, huh? 68, Brian. That, that's 68. Okay, so you... Okay, you must be looking at the net yardage then. I'm looking at the yes. or the or the total. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I was looking at the total then. But yeah. almost 200 yards, 200 plus 200 yards difference. BJ, did you did you were you shocked by that or did you kind of see it go in the script like that? No, I thought that Jackson State would be able to to run the football, but because the Central usually ran a three man front. Uh, what you saw the defensive coordinator, the Courtney Court do this time is it ran a modified front. You saw the three defensive linemen. Uh, sometimes it was a four-man front. Sometimes it was a modified four-man front where you had to stand up outside linebacker um, up on the line of scrimmage and they'll blitz a guy. Um, so they, they changed up their defensive fronts, threw some different wrinkles um, at Jackson State. And if there's a weakness to Jackson State's football team, it's been the offensive line. Uh, once you get them confused, uh, we, we knew that they're not the best at pass blocking. Run blocking was their strength, but Central confused them. They, they, you saw uh, some, some, some pre-snap shifts. Um, you saw some slanty. You saw some different things. They kind of confused them a little bit when they couldn't um, just use their strength and just fire off. And 
Jackson State could never get the, that, that running game established at all. So yeah. shout out to uh, defensive yeah. coordinator Courtney Court on uh, that defensive staff from from uh, North Carolina Central. Drew, what's your what's your take on the uh, on the running dis uh, the disparity between those uh, two teams? I'm curious as to why Jackson State did not run the ball more. And one thing that I tend to look at is you look at rushing attempts, but I also look at the column that's two to the right of attempts on the stat sheet, and that's the loss yards. How many yards did the running backs lose? Because you had the gain, then you had the loss, and then you wind up with the net. Well, Jackson State rushed the ball. They've got 25 rush attempts. All right, we're going to discount Shadur because Shadur uh, ran the ball nine times. Uh, he lost. He, he gained 38, he lost 39, and had a debt of negative one. But Shadur was sacked twice. So some of those, so we got to take two of those off because sack yardage goes against your rushing yards uh, for a quarterback. So let's drop Shadur. That means they rushed the ball 16 times and did not lose a single yard. Mm-hmm. They rushed the ball 16 times. Everything was positive. Why not run the ball more? Now let's let's flip this over to Central. Central, forty-four attempts. Only t- they only had 10, 10 yards. A, a negative ten yards was the was the net. So they two hundred eighty-six forward only had ten back for the net of two seventy-six. That's that's a pretty damn good day for your offensive line to run the ball forty-four times and only. Had your your running back stop for for ten yards, so we, we, I just wanted to throw that stat out. Also, I looked at the scoring, just overall scoring from Jackson State defensively, and I broke it up in quarters of the season. During the first three games of the season, Florida State, Grambling, Jackson State gave up thirty points. During the second quarter of the season, Valley, Alabama State. Bethune, Jackson State gave up 27 points defensively. The third quarter of the season, Campbell, Southern, Texas Southern, Jackson State gave up 28 points. Mm. Let's go to the fourth quarter of the season. Let's go to the fourth quarter of the season. That would be Alabama A&M, Alcorn Southern. Now, Now, the first nine games, the first three quarters of the season, that defense was doing what they were supposed to do. Get and it helps when you jump out on people early and you force teams to be one dimensional and have to pass the ball because you're up two, three scores on them. All right. Fourth quarter of the season, they gave up 50 points. Alabama AM, Alcorn, and Southern. So even still, 50 points in three games, not that bad. Could be better, but not that bad, especially when you compare it to the other one. In one game. After that came again. In one, after that came uh, in one game, right, BJ? Southern put up, what, 24 Southern, on them in the 24, championship? 24 to 50 in that, in that fourth quarter. But in one game, you gave up 41 points. Let's let's take that further. I'm glad you mentioned that game, Brian. That means in the last seven quarters that Jackson State defense was on the, on the field plus an overtime period, they gave up 65 points in seven quarters in the overtime period. So I'm gonna ask the I'm gonna ask the obvious question. Uh, the only thing that I can 
draw to I, look i don't understand why that happens bj i want you to give him a more intelligent answer than what i'm going to say right because what i'm going to say is well what's happened in the past three weeks between southern and this celebration bowl huh be, That's number one. could it be a lot of changes happening a lot of people leaving a lot of like the the all i hear bj is football coaches love or they hate distractions they love consistency routine but then at the same time they love routine but then at the same time i'm being told oh no 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 we can do this because i'm focused on where i'm at i'm where my feet are is where i'm focused i can be there i can be there i can dress like that i can dress like this everybody's good we got mature young people that can handle all this that's just what i hear bj what what now break it down and give the more intelligent answer from the d how does the defense fall apart like it did in the last seven quarters in one overtime? Well, one of the, one of the things is that Alcorn kind of showed that the beast would bleed. Alcorn set up and they ran the ball down Jackson State's throat pretty much the whole game. And people paid attention to that. With Southern, if Southern makes a, a quarterback change at 13 nothing, Jackson State doesn't make it to the celebration ball. They don't. Um, they had no answer for Southern um, offensively. Um, and that defense looks different, and I'm going to keep saying it. Let's take Aubrey Miller. Aubrey Miller was the SWAC Defensive Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. To me, the best defensive player in the SWAC was Bubba Adams from Alabama State. Reason being is from his linebacker position, he's asked to do more. Aubrey Miller, as a linebacker, mm-hmm. does one or two things for Jackson State. Blitzes A gap, blitzes B gap. He's disruptive when he does it, but these last few weeks, he has not been able to blitz A gap and B gap because the offenses have been moving. So now we put him in space. Did you guys notice Aubrey Miller at all on Saturday? No, you didn't. He called us up a couple times, but the, the, yeah, the, but not, 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 nothing like like usual. And a lot of his tackles were made downfield this time. He was forced to play in space, which he's not comfortable doing. He was forced to go sideline to sideline, which he's not really comfortable doing. And there was no A-gap and B-gap blitz in here. Now, also, what opens up is that we, we noticed the run game. They gave up a, a lot of yards on the ground against Southern. And they're getting hit through the air. One thing about Jackson State defensive backs, they are very aggressive. If you give them a double move, they'll bite on the, on the slant. They'll bite on those hooks. Give them a double move, it's wide open. We saw Travis Hunter get beat like that in the Swag Championship game. We saw him get beat like that on Saturday. And, and that's kind of just a negative of when that defense doesn't get home and you have a quarterback that doesn't panic and can still get the ball out, that's the weakness of playing that cover zero and blitzing like crazy is that you don't if you don't get it and you have a quarterback that's cool and doesn't panic, it's, it's, it's game on. And luckily for Jackson State, they didn't run into a quarterback like that until the second half, second quarter of the Swag Championship game and then into the Celebration Bowl. Uh, uh, question for you, BJ. Does the fact that your second leading sack person and one of your top people in TFLs, that's tackle for losses, uh, for those who don't know, Niles Gaddy does not play for 
undisclosed reasons. Does that affect how, how do I, I don't you know it does? How does that affect your 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 defense? Because you, Jeremiah Williams played a good played an excellent game for for Jackson State. You know he mm-hmm. he did a lot of the yeoman's work up front, but he didn't have Niles Gaddy up there with him. So how how does that uh, did that open up things for Jeremiah Williams, or does does that really just kind of break that down? I would say the biggest loss on that defense line was uh, Nitron Evans, um, the defensive tackle. That was the oh. biggest loss because um, he's a man up front. Oh. Um, I've been saying it all year for Jackson State defensive lines, uh, for the defensive line. You got Evans, who's a dude, and then you got everyone else. He makes oh. the job easier for Niles Gaddy in the defensive end because what he's able to do is he's, he, he eats up so much up front. Um, as far as in the middle, that you have to bounce it outside. And, well, there goes Mr. Gaddy, and there goes that, those defensive ends. When you take that away, and then you take away Dallas Gaddy, who could have provided some depth in this particular ball game, it did make the defensive line look different. So you're exactly right. And one thing that Dallas Gaddy has that works uh, works for him, he's 6'6". Even when he's playing a defensive end position, he takes away quick slants just by his presence, um, just being there. So yes, that that was missing those players up front was definitely key on Saturday. And uh, so I I wanted to you know just kind of just some of the things that I'm seeing uh, from some of the comments uh, you know it, it, I just again want to remind people we this you have to celebrate the champ. And we we probably see now here from Coach Trey Oliver in his third season. It took him, you know, they say it does take three years to really get the team where you want it to be. I mean, he took over a team that was what a one or two win team when he first took over. Um, so he had a they had a lot of work to do with uh, the roster, uh, the mindset and everything else with this team. And so here he is in year three. And one of the things that was interesting, looking at this roster, there is a lot of, there's a lot of rollover coming back next year. I mean, you've got your quarterback coming back, running back. I mean, I don't know. I had to go through and figure out who's not coming back. Uh, But it looks like they may be coming back with at least eight to nine on each side of the ball. Um, have we have we looked at yet, um, BJ, what this central team looks like? Oh, yeah, they're bringing back uh, about 93% of that roster. They didn't have a lot of seniors. Um, this team is really sophomore and junior driven, so they are back. I mean, everything is coming back. Um, and this central team... Trey Oliver talked about it in the press conference. He talked about how they built it through high school recruiting. They're not living in the portal. They're not looking for one- to two-year guys. Um, They have a few kids out of the portal, but they're doing it with good old-fashioned North Carolina high school players. Of course, they they dip outside of the state of North Carolina. They hit Atlanta pretty hard when it comes down to recruiting. Um, And, 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 you know, pretty much in, in, in Florida. Yeah, in Florida. But they're doing it with high school kids. They're developing uh, developing these kids, and they're not looking for a quick fix. 
And I like Trey Oliver's hat. He said uh, his hat that he wore on the side of it, um, uh, where he said uh, the hat said something like, uh, "It's the 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 process uh, over." I think it was like process over flash or something like that. The hat said, "I have to look at it," but they they showed that on Saturday that they have a system that they they're using and it, it's making North Carolina Central very 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 successful. Much to the chagrin to the people over in Greensboro. Oh yeah. Hey, look. Uh I mean I was just I was just going back looking at their schedule and their season. Uh North Carolina Central finishes the year ten and two overall. Um open that season uh, with the uh with the big game with the win over North Carolina A and T in uh Charlotte, uh twenty eight to thirteen, and they ran off probably their most imp- one of their second imp- most impressive wins was that road win at New Hampshire. I think that's when for many of us, we were like, okay, you know what? We need to pay attention to Central. I think that was the game when they went up to New, New Hampshire and we were like, yeah, we, we got to pay attention. Um, you know, the Campbell loss was kind of that blip on the radar right before, you know, um, conference play started that maybe you, you questioned. You know, you kind of wondered, okay, why did they lose that game? There was a lot of a lot of things, and I thought I know Joshua did a great job of breaking down why they lost that game. Uh, that that was some good info um, back when that occurred. And then, of course, you know they, they ended up losing uh, by two to South Carolina State. But as it as the MEAC does every year, it crumbles. You know, like 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 uh, like cheap paper, and then the true champion always comes out because everybody underneath does what they do, and they just fold up like a origami. But anyway, uh, props to uh, North Carolina Central. The way to look, they're they're the 2022 Black College National Champions. They will be the preseason number one team. And like, hey, look, it, it's how they built their team. Look, I no, no, I have no issues with how Jackson State built their team and how uh, Central built their team. You know, but you will say when all things are equal and there's stability, stability matters. And I, that's why I kept remember, Drew. I kept saying. I don't care how many points you throw it out there on the board. You can't tell me after all the years I've been watching football that the team that's more stable going into a big game like this is the team that's going to get rolled. I, I've, I've maybe seen it one time, but usually, you know what? The la- you know what this reminds me of? Uh, think about that time Ohio State played the University of Miami and the uh, Ohio State stole well, the official stole a game from Miami, but but nobody thought that Ohio State team would beat uh, the greatest football team. Was that the Maurice Bo- Colorett team? No, actually, you know what? About. It may have been. Was it? Was that the team, or was it the other time Ohio State? Yeah, that's beat Maurice, Miami. Yeah, that's, that's the Maurice Colorett team. Maurice, Maurice was okay. the Ohio Colorett. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. That was a team that nobody gave. They didn't think that they could beat Miami. Miami had all these future draft picks and all these blah 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 and yet you can say what you want about the controversial ending of that game but Ohio State punched him in the mouth and that's what I felt like we saw we saw a North Carolina Central team punch Jackson State in the mouth I, you, you can call but, it, uh, but yeah. unlike unlike last year 
Jackson State didn't fold when they got punched in the mouth. Oh, they punched back. Like they they did. punched like, back. They yes, they actually no, sat there and, and, and fought back. Pro- the problem was, you know, that that was that was George Foreman trying to hit Roy Jones, and sooner or later, Roy Jones Roy Jones wore down. <laughs> yeah, well said. Well said. Well said. Hey, hey um, Brian, before we get out of here, yeah. I, I got one question. Before we get out of here, is is it too early for our way too early predictions? On who's going to win each each conference and wind up back here? Ooh, uh, I don't know. It, you know what? Since tomorrow is Tuesday, how about this instead? Since tomorrow is Tuesday, how about a way too early from uh, from BJ Jones a way too early preseason top five going into uh, next year? How about that? Top five Tuesday. <laughs> top five Tuesday oh, coming up in less than a way too way early, early. twenty twenty three. Way it's, too early. Kind of hard. Preseason top five. Man, it's kind of hard to do that with the portal. Oh man, he can. <laughs> oh he yeah. Like Jackson State, they have thirty-four of them in there, man, and try to figure out what's going on. But I think if, if you had to do a top five right now, um, I think you, Central's number one, no doubt. Uh, number two, I got to go with probably FAMU. Um, will probably be there. Um, three through five is where there's going to be a whole lot of debate and a whole lot of I don't know. That's when you start getting into Southern and Alcorn um, and, and Alabama I got a three for you, PJ. That's, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say Al- Alabama State was going to be who I would say right now I would think I would put at number three. Yeah, but they're having some portal situation, you know, portal, some portal, they have some portal stuff um, too. departures as well. So it's like I said, it's hard to say with this transfer portal. Yeah, it's hard to say with this transfer portal. You know what's interesting? I, I'll put it you to you like this, Brian. If, yeah. uh I have I'll pick anybody in the SWAC West but UAPB. <laughs> you can't go wrong by picking anybody but UAPB right now. <laughs> and depending on and depending on who UAPB gets for a coach, <laughs> you, you might you might be because you expect Grambler to the uh to be much improved. Grambler's a quarterback away. Alcorn's a quarterback away. Uh pre- previews in there. If body stays at Texas Southern, they, they they've they've got the uh, the makings of uh of a good team. So, Southern's a quarterback away. So, you know, all, all those teams in the in the West, whoever gets the best quarterback, be it Portal or Juco, that's that's who you're gonna pick to win the West. Yep. Yeah, uh, stability will be what I'll be looking forward to seeing. You know, the teams that have – and you you mentioned one and two. I mean, those are two teams that presumably will have returning quarterbacks coming back into the spring. Uh, Of course, you know, like we we assume Richard will be back. Uh, He's given every indication he will be. Uh, You assume Florida A&M will start with a returning quarterback. And then you'll just kind of go down the line and say – who has returning quarterbacks coming back? I think that's where you have to start. And then you'll, then you got to look at your coaches and coaching staffs and kind of go from there. But, but yeah, it is really, I, I think this one little nugget and I'll end with this guys of the 21 programs in FCS football, only seven finished the year with a winning record and winning means six wins or more in an 11 game season. That is extremely low, it feels. That's only one-third 
of HBCU Division I teams finished with a winning record. Uh, that that that's powerful if you if you really think about that for a second. And obviously, we had two with ten wins or more. But uh, I, I tell you that that's going to be interesting to see how teams respond to that going forward. All right, uh, that's BJ, why we only any, do top five. Uh, that's why we only do top five at the BCSN. That's why we do top <laughs> five. That um, exactly, exactly. BJ, final that's thoughts. Why BJ on the only does the top five. <laughs> exactly. Oh man, way to go. where did final the season go, man? I, oh man, I feel like man. Hey, where did the season go? And and I, I challenge anyone out there that's watching. The Celebration Bowl has become the premier HBCU event of the year. Uh, we talked about it, man. I talked to uh, Mr. Grant this morning and, and, and just talked about, man, the Celebration Bowl and just to see the growth of it, man. If you have not made it, make it your business to get to Atlanta Celebration Bowl. We can take it all in from Thursday to Saturday. Uh, just, I mean, you can just spend time at the Omni, man, and, it, and it's just amazing. It's a who's who of, of, of black college football, black college athletics. It is amazing, and I am so thankful and blessed uh, to be a part of it with the uh, my BCSN family, man, and man, just everybody, man. Just this celebration bowl has been amazing, and we had a game for the ages, man. My opinion, the celebration bowl to me has been the best bowl game of the bowl season so far. Uh, the attendance has been amazing, and man, the, the football guy smiled on us with this one, fellas. Amen, amen to that. Uh, Drew, what do you got? So Dr. Kavir tried to pop in for a moment, so I don't know if uh, Roy's going to try to get him on. Uh, but my my big thing is, you know, there's been a lot of talk out here about changing the model. Should we expand and go to four? Should we go to best two teams? Yada, 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 yada. Here's, here's my take on it. What we have on the FCS level, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yes, it would be nice to see a possible A&T, Tennessee State, and Hampton try to get into this mix. But they chose not to participate in our traditional conferences. No disrespect to them, but that's that's their decision. The expansion that I would love to see is – if we can add Friday night, SIAC, CIAA, and I don't know if you want to – obviously, we've got to come up with something besides the Celebration Bowl. Same venue, same everything else. Let's make it a Friday, Saturday, where you got Division Two on Friday, FBS on FCS on Saturday. That's what I – would love to see. You got the Celebration Bowl. That's called the Exceptional Bowl. I don't care what you name it, but I would love to see that be what our ultimate goal is. If we want to get four teams, let's get the other two teams be the CIAA and the SIAC. Okay, okay. Uh, before I talk, sit over to uh, Dr. Cavill to close us out. I will just say I am one of those newbies. This was my first year attending the Celebration Bowl, right? I mean, other obligations with my with uh, at school and basketball and coaching has always kind of kept me uh, occupied, where I never could make it. And I am I am so disappointed that I never made it, but I am so thankful I did this year. 
and I will never miss again. As long as this game is happening, I'm already scheduling off time where, wherever I am. I'm already scheduling time off so that I can be there to do more and see more because it was outstanding. As we talked about, it was like the Super Bowl. I've never been to a Super Bowl, but I've been to like when the Super Bowl comes to your city, what that experience is like. I did that in Indianapolis. And it, this was a little colder weather, but I, this is what that felt like. It really felt like that atmosphere and excitement of being in Atlanta. And, and uh, you know, congrats to, uh, you know, John Grant and everyone with the Celebration Bowl, uh, North Carolina Central, Jackson State fans. You guys did a great job representing, but also HBCU Nation. If you love HBCU football, whether it be SWAC, MEAC, CIAA, uh, SIC, whatever it is, you have to get to this game. You have to be a part of this pageantry, uh, and and uh, this this is real. This is real. It's only going to get bigger. It's only going to get better. And uh, it really thank thank you to uh, the teams for and the coaches for giving us such a great game. And this might be the game that, like you said, we talk about what it's going to take to really blow it off uh, and really make this thing really expand where they really start selling into the upper deck. This might be the game that did it because uh, I'm looking forward to going back and watching this uh, a few times on TV. So with that, I'll turn it over to you, Doc, and kind of close us out with your thoughts about the – the Celebration Bowl and, and everything that went around it and so on and so forth. I just wanted to say um, thank you all for the co-hosting the show. And uh, as Mike got in here and did and represented inside the HBC Sports Lab, BJ Jones, as he joins us and does his unique uh, analysis from a football analyst perspective, particularly focused on HBCUs does a wonderful job. So um, just want to say great job on what you provided uh, with the viewers. And we look forward to following up tomorrow and giving even some more insight as we officially uh, name our um, HBCU champion uh, doing the show tomorrow. Obviously, <laughs> uh, there's little doubt in terms of who that will be, but we'll go through the Spoiler process alert. and acknowledge Right. <laughs> in so many different ways. But I like the way you ended it right there. And I think I'll just follow up with that and just saying that it was a tremendous event. I've been quoting and going around there as I heard some people talk about B.J. Jones, particularly how uh, tremendous was to see so many different HBCU fans uh, um, supporting it. So I put it like this. It's becoming the Mecca of HBCU sports fans as the place to go understanding the sporting HBCU diaspora. So it's the destination. Um, and so um, I come in Wednesday to kind of relax a little bit because you got to really get into some work. And so it gives me a little time to enjoy some things, even though, you know, people don't necessarily get in there Thursday, certainly on Friday, but we ramp up on Friday, Saturday with our coverage. And we'll be doing more, so stick with us, the Black College Sports Networks. Uh, we found some pieces to the puzzle uh, where we'll be working uh, to be able to provide you uh, full day coverage, if not almost around the clock. So we look forward to do that as we team up with each other and uh, put a schedule together that the fans can be proud of. 
Uh, with that, I also um, think it was just great in terms of an epic game. Um, you all broke it down in so many different ways, but just the ebbs and flows of a championship game. You know, a game that goes down to the last play um, is amazing. And when I say last play, we can talk about last play of the game as we thought it was in terms of full quarter and then we find out because of the catch and the great throw that we need extra time of what we call in the sport of football overtime and literally in overtime it goes down to the last play um, and so uh, when you talk about the two teams and we tried to tell everybody yeah two weeks ago a lot of the talk was more about coach prime understandably so in terms of the decision he made uh, but if you followed us uh, in terms of Black College Sports Network inside the HBC Sports Lab, we broke down uh, the week leading up to it, starting with that Sunday before the game, after the thing. We talked about the coaches. We gave you head coach breakdown. We told you about the offensive coordinators. We told you about the defensive coordinators. We broke down special teams. We went inside and talked about uh, – the offensive and defensive players for both teams. We told you why you should be excited about the quarterback play, that you had top five quarterback, traditional pocket passer, if you would, but also could be elude uh, rushes and make plays down the field with his legs and most certainly with his arm as he continued to make sure he looked downfield to keep plays open. And we told you about the best dual threat quarterback and HBCUs that happens to play for North Carolina Central. We told you how big he was, how strong he was, how accurate he was, and how timely he would be in this matchup. So we set you up for everything that you end up seeing. We told you everything to look at. We told you about the defensive players of the game and how they would live up to the play, from a defensive back to a linebacker. Um, obviously, we even gave you some concerns about where both teams could be beat, and we saw it play out in terms of what that looks like. Um, and so I was just happy that we went inside the numbers and gave you a chance uh, for your expectations of what could be an incredible game and it ultimately was. And so that's what we tend to do. Um, and then as we also looked at the Battle of the Bands in terms of how this was a top five Battle of the Bands and what that would look like in terms of the energy that would be brought forth there. Um, and so finally, we even took it back a little bit to basketball. And I had a chance to add on the fact that uh, give you extra time, as you see me bleeding into the day, has got up out of Atlanta, and took a plane ride to Las Vegas to be able to cover the second day of the HBCU um, basketball game, if you would, there, uh, presented by Chris, Paul, um, and it was fascinating, and all those games were close. We had an overtime game in the basketball matchups. So it just lets you know the culture and the power. I mean, those games were two-point games, late in those games going down. Teams may have stretched it out and kind of won uh, by a little more comfortable margin. But, again, even one of those games uh, went down the stretch on the first day to overtime and last – Two games on Saturday went down. Uh, fans were in there deep. Uh, Texas Southern fans flew in from Houston and represented really significantly. 
A&T was in the house. You had folks coming up from L.A., the folks that live around Las Vegas. People came up from Arizona. Um, and so even when you have almost 50,000 fans inside the stadium, millions watching on television, thousands in the city, you have significant fan following halfway across the country uh, to watch the sport of basketball. So sports for HBCUs are in a really good place, and we need to make sure that we do our part, fans in terms of following, celebrating, supporting, and then us as the media, uh, providing a full-fledged gamut of telling the story like nobody else can tell it. And what better place to do that than right here on Black College Sports Network uh, with DCSN, with Ryan and AD on the sports wrap, with Mike Washington that you heard from earlier, as well as Charles Bishop, who will be joining us tomorrow as we do Tuesday and Thursdays uh, on Inside the HBC Sports Lab. Orange and green, the ONG strike zone, as you do uh, following FAMU and giving people a glimpse like no other and, and how to ask questions of your administration without being ugly, uh, but understanding the depth knowledge of what that looks like. How do you appropriately do that? With Charles Bitch, excuse me, with Carlos Brown on Saturday, making sure that he gives you coverage of Southern University and a little bit more about uh, HBCUs in Louisiana, dipping in the ground and giving you swag, and obviously MEAC coverage, and just even giving you some professional framework, bringing in a basketball guru, coach, and legend onto the show. It's hard to get this type of energy and framework, uh, game time that gave you insight right there live uh, in terms of what we do um, many hours of the day. So we just ask for the continued support. Uh, we're going to find a way to give you some information that you can't get anywhere else. So make sure you uh, tell and spread your love. Download that MyJBN, MyBCSN app uh, so we can continue to give you coverage that you can't quite get anywhere else. So just want to say thanks for the fans uh, supporting us, um, and we'll be ready to give you some uh, more information. We're talking about closing up with the top five and uh, top five Tuesday pre pre early. Yeah, we're going to give you some of that, but we also going to give you probably the debut of the uh, top five for the major division in basketball. Let you know what that looks like as we start to turn the curve and get on to the hardwood and give you some thought process as you'll be surprised before the end of New Year's. As we get into the year, it's going to time to get in the conference play where it's really going to get interesting for the MEAC and SWAC, uh, as well as looking at the CIAA, SIEC. And when we get in basketball, we get to bring in Gulf Coast Athletic Conference at the NAIA level that are playing some good basketball already as they've started some conference play. So let's check it out. Let's keep up the good work. Um, and we're just getting started in terms of the rest of this academic year. Well said. Well said, Doc. Uh, we, we appreciate you. Couldn't have, couldn't have said any of that better. Uh, this holiday season, you can help be a part of what we have going on here with the Black College Sports Network and uh, our parent company, Jericho Broadcast Networks, by uh, by supporting us through and our uh, with our with our fundraiser right now. Um, I know if uh, our producer, hey Brian, up, we can Brian talk about that. Yes, right. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to jump in right now. 
We're gonna run okay, that so graphic on the air. I didn't. I didn't know you were on the air. I thought yeah. you were talking in my ear. Nope. Okay, I love it. So we're gonna run this it. graphic, <laughs> Drew. I'm gonna have you jump yeah. off because they need to talk to you at our meeting, <laughs> and then okay. we're gonna let Brian do this. <laughs> All right. Uh, before I jump off, uh, can you play? Can you play the holiday video for him also, Roy? Okay. As we go out. I'm trying to do too much, y'all. All right. Uh All right, let's let's uh let, let, we'll, we'll close it out here by again just letting people know about the Jericho Broadcast Networks network fundraiser going into 2023. MyJBN.com slash grow. Uh, of course, Black College Sports Network is just one part of the overall vision of Jericho Broadcast Networks. And so um you guys have an opportunity to be a part of what we have happening and we're looking forward to a great 2023. So every, every gift is appreciated. A cup of coffee, um, a, 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 whatever you want to donate and give, uh, go download the Jericho broadcast networks app on the Google play and Apple app store. Just search my JBN, my BCSN is where you can find it again. Go to myjbncom slash grow. Uh, when you see the ad, don't just like it. Don't just give it a thumbs up. Go ahead and donate. We'd appreciate any contribution that you'd like to make uh, to help us continue doing what we're doing. All right, that's going to do it. Don't forget, tomorrow night, Dr. Cavill's inside the HBCU Sports Lab. Dot, Mike, Charles, we'll all be in the building uh, recapping uh, the game, giving you the national championship, uh, breakdown top five, and then uh, as Doc just said, looking ahead to the uh basketball uh season, it's here, and uh, so it's time to start kind of pivoting, so to speak, uh, no pun intended, towards basketball. So, uh, it's been a great college football season. Thanks again, Mike Washington and BJ Jones and uh, and his daughter for joining us, and uh, we appreciate you guys for consuming all of our content. I know I saw some people said, where were we in the post game? We were gassed. I'm not even going to lie to you. We were gassed. Next year, we promised to do a better job with the post game. I know there are people like, oh, man, I wanted to see a post game. Where was the Next year, we we will we will we'll be more on point with the post game. But thank you for still coming in and joining us and, and hearing from us. So uh, that's going to do it for our producer, Roy. Uh, my name is Brian Fulford. You guys, be safe. Happy holidays. Have a Merry Christmas. And uh, peace out.